And so again, Psalm 46, I'm going to ask if you would to stand in honor of His Word as we read this together. And this is about trusting in the city of God over the city of man. Psalm 46, to the choir master of the sons of Korah, according to Amalot, a song. Verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though its mountains, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter, he utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You may be seated. So as I mentioned not too long ago, uh, how providential it was that this lands on Independence Day. I got to confess something to you that I always approach uh, a lot of the civic holidays that we tend to celebrate in our church with a little bit of, of trepidation. Mother's Day especially um, because of the, all of the different variables that happen on Mother's Day with with mothers and such. And patriotic holidays I've always found interesting, and this is why. Um, a little bit of the story here. I've shared this before, but it's been a while. So when I grew up, I, w- I was in church my whole life, and when I grew up, uh, the churches that I were in, let's just say that not everybody was very demonstrative. Everybody was pretty well stoic just sitting there, the most you would get out of whatever is a deacon who would say amen every so often. Other than that, it was very, very quiet. In fact, on our bulletins, it was quoting out of Habakkuk 2.20, incorrectly by the way, but quoting out of Habakkuk 2.20, which says, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before him. That is um, not quite the context, but some were using it that way just to make sure everybody was staying So, 51 weeks out of the year, they would do that. But then there was the patriotic holidays. And suddenly the deacons and those who were usually very stolid and very staid and very stoic, boy, the the Star-Spangled Banner would hit, the Pledge of Allegiance would hit. They would do the Pledge of Allegiance in there, but they they would do all of that. Um, And all of a sudden, whoa! There was singing that took the rafters off. Everybody was standing up. I mean, everybody was clapping. And I'm like, did I go to the wrong church? This is not, this is a little strange. Little, little. And so I, I started looking at that. And as I got, I got older, I started wondering why, and this is really casting no aspersions on anybody. These are just questions that I had. Why is it that we didn't see that the other 51 weeks out of the year when we were hearing about the glories of Jesus? I didn't understand. 
I get it though. I mean, when, when I'm outside of the church and we have, we go to the Rapids game and they have the fireworks and everybody's dressing in their star spangled banner outfits. I have my bandana that's tied around my ever balding head and I've got an obnoxious flag shirt. I am, I'm one of those guys, right? And I'm out there and I love our country because I think it's just, it's one of the best man-made ideas that has come about. All men are created equal. Again, we didn't always get that right, but at least the idea was there. You didn't see that ever. Where, you know, of the people, by the people, for the people, that was an interesting way of, of going about it that you didn't see very much anywhere else. Um, there were a lot of things about it. We're able to worship. I can advertise. I can put little, we can put our services on social media. We can put a sign out by the road, right? That's because there is an environment that by the grace of God, that common grace of God that he gives, there's an environment that we have in our country for now that we can do that. But does God any less God in China, where you have 125 to 250 million Christians by estimate that cannot worship in the light of day? who are even telling us, please don't pray that things would go easier for us because when things go easier for us, we get lazy in our faith. Don't pray for us like that. Pray that we would stay faithful in our faith. So there's a lot of things that are going on. Here's though what I've always been trying to check with myself and maybe you all are, are solid with this and don't have to worry about it. But I know with me, is that I have to be reminded, as much as I love this country, this is not my ultimate citizenship. Because it says in Philippians 3.20 that our citizenship as Christians is in heaven. So as excited as I get about this country, I'm going to get more excited that Christ covered my sin, that he died upon the cross for my sorry hide, and if I may be so bold, your sorry hide as well. He's alive He's interceding for us. This is so, there is so much that Christ has done for us. While we can be thankful for the country that we have, we want to rem- be reminded of what the book of Hebrews says in reflection to Abraham. In Hebrews 11, in verses 13 to 16, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. That's us. We're strangers and exiles. We've sung this song over and over. This world is not my home. I'm a just a passing through. We sing that all the time. That's because our citizenship is not here ultimately. Because once, our citizen, once we die, our citizenship here is completed. But do you know when you receive Christ, you become a citizen of heaven that transcends into eternity? All because of what Christ did upon the cross? And the fact that the tomb is empty and he's alive. But we, we go on in verse 14. For people who speak thus make it clear that they were seeking a homeland. And if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. And so I say this just about every Independence Day weekend corresponding to Independence Day. I say this every time. The best way that we can be a citizen of this country is treating this country as our number two citizenship, not our number one. 
Our country needs us to act as if we are citizens of heaven. That, who trust in the things of the Lord, who trust in His promises, who trust in His precepts, who trust in Him as a person. We, we trust in Him. And therefore, we act in this world because our perspective is here, not here. If our perspective is here, then we're going to get so afraid. Who's going to get elected? What kind of legislation are they going to pass? What's going on? And that's what the news wants to do. They, they, and I'm going to share this with you in a little bit. I, I just went to the BBC News headline site, and I, I pulled out some headlines. They want you scared. But you know what the Bible is saying right here? God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, what? We will not fear. He is our rock. As much as things are great here, as far as the ideas that are here, maybe not necessarily the execution of them, but how how good the ideas are here, He is our rock. He is our fortress. He is our refuge. He is our strength. So let's, let's get to work and see how we must be sure that we are trusting in the city of God. That's talked about in this passage over and against the city of man. So number one, if you would put it up here. Uh, number one, what refuge gives you security and strength? So the backstory of this psalm, this psalm was not necessarily written in a vacuum, some are, but this psalm, if you go to 2 Kings 18 and 19, that's a long story, I encourage you to read it over sometime today or this week, but it was basically when Hezekiah becomes king of Judah. Um, There was a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom of Israel at that point, Judah was the southern kingdom, Hezekiah becomes king. And so um, Assyria had just overrun the northern kingdom, and they had ambitions of doing the same thing to the southern kingdom. However, that did not happen. What happened was they, they threatened them, and they began to take all the fortresses in Judah. And the king that was there, Sennacherib, started basically, as, as they say, talking trash to all of the people of Israel in their own language. So everybody understood. There was no uh, language barrier. They understood everything that they were trying to do. God's really not that good. Why are you trusting him as your refuge and strength? There's no sense in doing this. We are, we are way power, more powerful than you. We have way more people in our army than you do. You, you might as well just give up. Now, Hezekiah, who loved the Lord at that point, was still loved the Lord, but he was nervous. You can love the Lord, but still wonder what's going to happen in this world, right? You can, you can have both. Well, Isaiah the prophet comes along and just reminds him who his refuge and strength is, who his refuge and strength is. And what happened was, one of the mornings they woke up, the angel of death went over all of the army of Assyria. 185,000 soldiers, Assyrian soldiers, dead. Now who was scared? Well, of course, the Assyrians were. But that's, the, that's what's going on here. So when you're, you're reading this passage, it stands on its own, right? You don't need to have that backstory to be comforted by this passage. Again, verses 1 to 3, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. So now you know what the trouble is for why this was written, but insert the trouble that you're maybe dealing with. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Notice mountains are mentioned twice. Because in nature, mountains are the things that are the most stable that we would see. I mean, could you imagine 
something going on with the Rocky Mountains and something in the Rocky Mountains being blown into the sea? Well, on May 18th, uh, 1980, actually May 17th, 1980, uh, my father flew over Mount St. Helens. And Mount St. Helens blew on May 18th. 1980. He was on a job. He was, he was, he worked, he, he was on a job. And he flew over Mount St. Helens the day before it blew. So when you think of volcanoes, well, you can, sure, I can see how a mountain can be blown into the heart of the sea, but now that we have bombs and that type of artillery, we can certainly see how mountains can be thrown into the heart of the sea. But let's go back to verse 1 here and, and see that, you know, there's going to be things that are going to be happening here on this earth. Our, our world is broken. Those things are going to happen. We are going to have issues. But I can't remember who the preacher was. I mean, I think there's a lot of preachers that have done this. But if you think about 1 Corinthians 13, that's the love chapter. It starts off, love is patient, love is kind, love is, love is, love doesn't, love. And it goes through this whole list of what they told us to do was it, take out the name love and put your name in. And how would it fit? So Matt is patient. <laughs> well, we're gone, right? We're gone after the first one. Matt is patient. Hopefully Matt is kind. Hopefully Matt doesn't hold um, things against someone else, holds no record of wrongs. And so you go through that, and it was a way to evaluate, are you being this way? We're gonna, I, I want you in your own mind to begin thinking about this. If we were in a smaller setting, we would talk. But in this, I would ask you, it says, God is your refuge and strength. Take, it, it, is that apply to you? Or would you have to take that name God out and put something else in? What is your refuge and strength? Well, for some of you, um, maybe being healthy and exercising. Boy, if I, if I got a good body, I'm, it's, it's going to hold together. Well, eventually, as I've said before, the check engine light comes on regardless of how healthy you are, regardless of how long you've been healthy, that check engine light is going to come on. And one day, hate to break it to you if you're not already knowing this, but one day your life will end. And so if, if your health is your refuge and strength, well, that's got a shelf life on it, doesn't it? It doesn't really, it doesn't really work. Well, uh, are medical advancements your refuge and strength? Maybe you're unhealthy, but you're hoping that if I can get this and I have this, then all of a sudden I'm going to be good. Are you politically minded? Boy, I hope X gets into office. If X gets into office, then everything is going to get better. When has that ever worked? But we still do it. We're still hopeful. They tell us on the ever hey, the the ads are coming. By the way, they're coming, making all of these promises. And how often do you look at them saying, "I bet they're telling me the truth. I bet that that's so. I bet they're going to be able to pull that off." No, you don't. You you may turn off the volume because you know. Well, my fa finances are my refuge and strength. If I have this amount of money, then I'll be good. Well, John Rockefeller reminded us. You know, when someone asked him, "Well, how much is enough?" for you. And he said a million dollars more. It was never enough. What is your refuge and strength? This is a, this is a question that we have to evaluate because if our refuge and strength is something else, I mean, you see what's going to happen. The earth is going to give way. The mountains are going to melt. It, all of these things are going to, are going to go on. It's a, it's an undoing of day three of creation that we're seeing here. We have to be careful because when it says we will not fear, let me, let me just share this with you. So I told you um, about the BBC News website. Let me just read you some of the headlines. Are you ready? This is going to be fun. 
France deploys 45,000 police with more riots feared. Mossad, who's a spy, by the way, says it abducted hitmen from inside Iran. Biden's $430 billion student loan plan axed by top court. Designer can refuse gay couples, Supreme Court says. Well, there's, there's more to it than that, but that's what it says. It's your, oh my goodness, free speech, gone, right? No. Smoke and heart warnings for millions across U.S. Unusual rise in child, child type 1 diabetes after COVID. Why bears are causing alarm in the Alps. What do all of those have in common? Regardless of geography, regardless of age, regardless of political persuasion, regardless of educational affiliation, whatever, what do they all have in common? Fear. They're trying to get you afraid. And we as Christians fall right in line with it. Especially if we're not in the scriptures and we're not exercising those spiritual disciplines, we're going to be scared all the way around. And so the, 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 the choice that some of you may have had is, well, I'm not just not going to watch the news anymore. Well, I don't know how helpful that is. It's good to know something. But it's also better to know that we are part of a city of God that will never go away. And so this is where we get into the second part here, where it's talking about the city of God is not just a place, but it's a people. So verses 4 to 7, let me get this back in our minds. I know I read it just a little while ago, but I think it's helpful to get it back before us. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. On second thought, I'll stop right here. So what are we talking about here? Well, whenever there was one country that was war- or one army that was wanting to overtake another army, It would be virtually, if not completely impossible to do that when there is a river that is running through the city. So some of you may have gone to Hungary on a missions trip, and that's one of the things that you notice. I think it's the the Danube that goes right through the city, maybe another one, but there is a large river that goes right through the city, and we were of Budapest, and there's the Buddha side and the Pest side, bridge, Budapest, clever, right? Isn't that fun? And so, but it was virtually impossible to overrun, if not completely impossible to run, overrun a city when there's a river going through it because you can't get it all together. You have to do one side and then the other side has a way of being able to get their act together and then they go after it or, and so it's, so the, the understanding is the river, which in the scriptures, the water and river and has always referred to the Holy Spirit. And in, in John chapter 7, the reason I say this, John chapter 7, in verses 37 to 39, Jesus is, well, Jesus is here, and it says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Well, John helps us out. The Spirit helps us out in understanding that. In verse 39, it says, Now he said this about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So that the Spirit is there to provide that strength. In Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, it talks about how the Spirit is there to seal us in Christ. We are sealed. We are in him. He is in us. Now, 
every so often, and if you think I'm just talking about you, I'm not, because I've heard this over and over about the struggle it is to read through the Old Testament. So many of you have told me, I just really have a hard time getting me back to the New Testament. I understand what's going on there. I don't get what's going on in the Old Testament. Let me help you out with the Old Testament as I've been thinking through this. Because there is one promise that goes through the Old Testament. And it's in various variations of that theme. But there's one promise that goes through the Old Testament. I'll be with you. I will be with you. I will be with you. I'll be with you. I'll be with you. You mean even when Assyria? Yep. I'll be with you. Even when Babylon takes me, the Babylonians take me from point A, Holy Land, to point B in Babylon. Yeah, yeah, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. The variation of that theme is this. You will be my people, and I'll be your God. You'll be my people, I'll be your God. And that is the same promise that we get when we go to heaven. If you read the end of Revelation, well, really, even all through Revelation, it's that same Old Testament, um, that same Old Testament theme. I'll be your God. You'll be my people. I'll be your God. You'll be your, we're going to be together. Heaven and earth, new heavens and new earth together. And so when you see this, that's where we understand that when he starts talking about it, it's not talking about a geographical location, although Zion, Jerusalem, was a geographical location. The city of God, the city of David, right? Geographical location, but he seems to be talking about something else. That anybody that is a part of of, of God, anybody that's a part of what Christ has done for us, then we are a part, we are a people. So when we're talking about Denver, there may be times when we're talking about Denver or we're talking about the United States and we may be talking about a geographical location, but by and large, we're talking about the citizens. And this is what's going on here. We're talking about the citizenry. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. That's an old spiritual, isn't it? Right? I will not be moved. I shall not be moved. Over and over. That repeated tone. That repeated theme. And God will help her when the morning dawns. Over and against what the city of man is doing. What are the people that are not a part of the city of God doing? Well, we see it in verses, in verse 6 rather. The nation's what? Rage. It's not rage against the machine it's it's a rage against what god is operating but it's a rage a, a, a rage against all that god's purposes are all about she shall not be moved oh, verse six my eyes jump let's get to the right one the nation's rage the kingdom's totter he utters his voice and the earth melts this connects with psalm two not t-o-o um two this connects with psalm two which says, why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? Well, here's what's going on. The kings of the earth have set themselves and the rulers of the council take, rulers take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed. That's Jesus, by the way. Against the Father and the Son, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. In other words, what the Word of God does, and this is why maybe some of you this morning are struggling with the Word of God because the Word of God has the audacity to tell your precious self what to do. But you think you know what to do, right? And so you are in a position where you're like, I know what to do, and the, the, the cords the, are, are bonding us together. I, don't, I need freedom. God, yes. I'm free now to do whatever my heart desires. 
Now, those of you that have gone down that path, has that been a good path for you? You may think, well, right now it's pretty sweet. Just wait. It's not. Because we don't have the equipment and we don't have the understanding to know what is best for us. We did not make ourselves. It is the Lord who made us and wired us. He knows how we are supposed to best operate. Would that our culture understood that as well. But they're flying off trying to find their own designs on things. So the nations, including the United States of America, by the way, have you been noticing some of the legislation that's coming out? That's why you watch the news. Have you noticed some of the legislation? Now, sometimes they may do things that are beneficial to a believer. Sometimes they may do things that are not beneficial. But what's the goal? The goal may be I'm going to keep to the law, or the goal may be I've got to keep this constituency happy, or I've got to keep this constituency happy. I want to get voted back in. And so the politicians may not always be virtuous. Shocker. But the politicians may not always be virtuous and for you. There may be some that do come along and are virtuous and for you. But most of them play the fear card because they want us divided against each other. And so when we're looking at this, the nations, including this one, don't want the creator to tell them what to do. During COVID, Chris, Chris Cuomo, I always have a hard time saying his name quickly, Chris Cuomo, CNN reporter, but he got, he once, one time got on TV because everybody was, um, was saying, you know, we need to look up for help during COVID and Chris Cuomo would tell us, don't look up. You got to look within to find help. I get what he was saying and he said it really, really badly. But what he was saying was, is like, don't just look up and absolve yourself on what you need to do. But he's, but can't, can't you do both? When you, when you start saying, don't look up for any kind of help, has that served people who have said that well over time? Absolutely not. But there's sometimes when God is being very clear about how we should live our lives and we say, well, no, and we make up excuses. Well, I can't do that. I can't do this because X. And it's usually something this way. But when God tells you to do something, and his, his word is there, what his word does, as we talked about last week, it either quickens, which is an old King James word of making you alive. But we like saying quickens because of the alliteration. It either quickens or it kills. Notice the word, when the word is spoken to the citizens of the kingdom of God, and the city of God, God is in her midst. Well, there won't be moved. The morning dawns. He helps us. But what happens when those that are part of the city of man and are wanting to build a a, a literal or figurative tower of Babel to God on their own? What do they, well, the nations rage. They don't want to hear his word. The kingdoms totter, right? That old Bill Gaither tune. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away. we, We know that. We sung that over and over. But this is what happens. And the reason they pass away is they've rejected his word. Period. They've rejected his word. He utters his voice and the earth does what? Stay strong. We're going to do it. No, the, the earth melts. And for those of you that are followers of Jesus, you already know what that's like. Because when the word of God took hold in your heart, you melted. That's what happened to me. And over time, God has has visited me clearly, 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 and he has melted me to a point where I had to be melted so that I could be 
constructed back into what he would have me to be. Uh, One preacher used to say, if you want God to use you, then he's going to have to break you. We talked in in our um, Sunday school classes about the inward trials that come up because so many have been taught that if you're going to follow Jesus, everything's going to go smoothly, which I would laugh if I didn't just blast this microphone and the speakers out because everything is not going to go smoothly. We're in a broken world. We're broken. We're sinners saved by grace. We still struggle with the temptation of sin. Sometimes we still sin, but the Holy Spirit is there to bring us back into place and, and get us back on the path to where we need to be. But there is that process of not relying on you anymore so that you can rely on him forevermore. That's what he does in us. Now, when we're going through that, not fun. That is not a good time. But we have to know that he, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it on the day of Christ Jesus. God causes all things to work together for good. He didn't just say God causes good things to work together for good. He causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and to those who are called according to his purpose. That's Romans 8. I did not make that up. That's Romans 8. Look it up and hold on to that as a follower of Jesus. You know that his word is what keeps us together. So now as we get down to the last part of this psalm, the question that I have for you is, will you receive his invitations? Because there's two of them in this paragraph. The first one is this, and you see it right there. At least I believe most of your versions may have that, that word there, come. Come, and there's really another invitation there, but it works together. They're tied. Come behold. Now, when you see that word behold, we don't use that in our usual verbiage. I don't know of anybody whenever we've, you know, we're getting ready to have staff meeting. Behold, we're getting ready to start. We don't do that, right? We just say we're getting ready to start and hopefully that the, uh, the implication is, is there. But behold, so that word is a great word. and It just basically means attention. And those of you that have been in the military, you know that, you know, I know you're Your um, sergeants didn't say, behold, they said attention. It's the same thing. So come behold the works of the Lord. Well, what kind of works are the Lord doing? Now, while you're reading through this and you're like, really, this is what he's doing? How he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars to cease in the end of the earth, to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Now, when we think about the works of the Lord, we sometimes talk about salvation and justification and, you know, tell me something good that's happened to you uh, this week and we talk about it and that makes us feel really, really wonderful that God is doing so many good things. So when we're talking about the works of the Lord, this seems a little off to us if we're used to going down one path because we're, we're expecting, oh, he has made, you know, led me by streams of living water and restored my soul and I get to lay in green pastures. That's not all there is though. What's happening here is that he says he makes wars to cease. In other words, there's going to be a day. Let me back this up. You watch the news and it can be overwhelming, can it? You see the legislation that's coming out. It can be overwhelming. You can see the folks that insist on visiting children's libraries, and you can be very overwhelmed. You can, you can see some of the things that our politicians and the people of influence are saying. It can be very overwhelming. And, and the fear can, can get in. Please understand a number of things. 
And I said this at the beginning of Pride Month. Why you would celebrate something that God says goes before the fall, I, I don't know. But we know what the Word says, and we hold to it. But we also know that people are broken in a lot of different ways, and we recognize that. So don't give up on this, and don't give up on them. Right, so we, we said that. Because now it's our responsibility, instead of us sitting in our nice, comfy, cozy churches, sometimes we get the temperature right, sometimes maybe a little chilly, I don't know. How could it ever be chilly? I don't know that either. But what we look at is that we, we sit in our comfy churches and, and sometimes we look out there and we say, bad world, I'm going to stay in here and there's no interaction. I want to remind you that one of the reasons that the vision team felt such a conviction of saying connecting all people to the truth and hope in Jesus is because that's the commission. We are to connect with people that may not agree with us. Because somebody connected with us when we didn't agree with them. And now we're followers of Jesus and we say, thank you God for saving me. But the idea is, is that we're now to pass the baton on to somebody else because this is what's going to happen. God has made himself clear in creation. He has given a witness to the church. And we, and we read in our Sunday school class that judgment begins at the house of God. We've got a responsibility to those that are around us to tell them about the good news of Jesus, to tell them about the crucified, dead, buried, and resurrected Jesus. That's our job, right? So when we, when we do that, then... We do that because we don't want this to be the result of their lives. Because if you're part of the city of man, that's not a neutral position. I mean, when I say you're part of the, if you're not a part of the city of God, you're a part of the city of man, and that is not a neutral position. You're shaking your fist at God saying, I don't want to be a citizen of your country. I want to be a citizen of, of this. I want to run my own life. I want to burst the cords away. And, and, and I'm going to rage against you because you're trying to tell me how to live my life. And he's up there saying, I made you. I wired you. You're in my image. I know how to run your life. And if you don't receive me as Lord and Savior, then the life that you're going to have in eternity is going to be apart from me. And it's going to be an everlasting punishment. And so we come along and say, wow, I can't believe God would do that. Yeah, but we started it. We're shaking our fist against him. And it's his earth. It's his rules. And so we look at this. He makes wars to cease. To, and he breaks the boat. This is what's going to happen. This is how he is going to win. He's going to conquer. Now, and we get to verse 10, here's the other invitation for you that has been pulled out, and there's a certain context that we normally use this passage in. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. If you read um, from the New American Standard, maybe the older New American Standard, it may say, cease striving. Cease striving and know that I am God. Please understand, we usually pull that out and put it on a nice pillow or a nice frame, and it brings us great comfort. You know, stay calm. Don't be anxious. Everything's going to be okay. Just remember God's God and you're not. Everything's going to be good. Is that a truth? Yes. That's not the context. The context is be still. The context is surrender. 
you're in the city of man outside of Christ. You at the, up until, some of you up until this point have rejected the crucified, dead, buried, and raised Son of God, King of kings, and Lord of lords. And what he's saying is, be still. Don't rage against me. Don't try to fight against me. Don't try to, to, to do all of this stuff that's getting other people around you to, to do the same things. Stop. Surrender. Submit. Be still. You're not God. He is. Quit trying to exalt yourself among the nations or among your friend group or among whoever. On, on. Quit trying to exalt yourself. I'm going to be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted among the earth. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. So if, if you read anything about church history, you may know that uh, Psalm 46 is known as Luther's Psalm. And by Luther, I mean Martin Luther. So Martin Luther, because of his study of the Psalms and Romans and Galatians, he began to see that we were not made, that our guilt was not taken off of us justified. We were not justified by way of what we do. We're justified by what Christ has done on our behalf. Praise God. Right? Could you imagine if it was up to us? Some of you may still be trying to do that. Stop. Surrender. Submit. Don't give in and trust who he is, what he has done. But the, the hymn that Martin Luther is most lo- known for is in our hymnals, it's A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And A Mighty Fortress is Our God was based, taken from Psalm 46. So you may know this hymn. If you don't, I hope you'll get to know it. But now that you've got Psalm 46 in your mind, let me read these four verses of A Mighty Fortress is Our God and see if you can't see why this psalm, given all that Luther was against and going against the powers that be that were trying to undermine him and, and the gospel, why this psalm meant so much to him and why he penned these words. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing? Were not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing? You ask who that may be, Christ Jesus, it is he, Lord Sabaoth, his name from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure, one little word shall fell him. That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. And this hymn and the message that Luther had ran through Europe. Even before texts and cell phones. This ran through Europe quickly because it was a reminder 
that the mountains may pass away, that everything may blow up. But if you're part of the city of God, that city stands sure. And that citizenship was secured on your behalf, not because of you, but in spite of you, but because of what Christ did upon the cross. He took your sin and he gave you his righteousness so that you may become a part of the city of God and you long to serve him. You long to love him. But some of you, you're trying to do it on your own. Stop. Surrender. Submit. Be still and come and know that he is God. That's what Christ accomplished on our behalf. So Heavenly Father, as we come, we see that you are our mighty fortress. Thank you, Father. That one little word makes us alive. But one little word can fell those who are against us and against you. So Father, I thank you for the citizenship that you've given us as a follower of Jesus. That there's no city of man that can save But we thank you for the environments that you gave us to be able to worship you. But even if you didn't give us these environments, we'd worship you still. Even if all were against us, we will worship you because you're for us. Thank you, Father, for showing us your word this morning. And if there's any that need to know Christ as Lord and Savior, may this be the morning where they trust in the one who died for them the one who rose for them, the one that took their sin and their brokenness and gave them himself. May this be the morning. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, who may be overwhelmed by the things that are going on in our culture and in our world, I pray, Father, you would remind us, you are our refuge and strength. You are our very present help in trouble. Guide us, Lord. Bring us to yourself. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.